Hello and welcome to episode 92 of Together BHA. Uh, we are here for a season preview. Uh, we are about a week away, exactly. Um, or rather, well, we're, we're you'll be listening on a Tuesday, so we are just one day removed from being a, after Chelsea. Um, so... It's a little bit weird to think that the Premier League's back on the weekend and we don't play till Monday. Um, I'm not a fan of Monday night games as it is, but here we are. This is what we're doing, so we'll just have to get used to it. Um, this is going to be a bumper episode, yo. Uh, we have a lot to go over. Um, I've, I've tried to structure it similarly to uh, last year. Um, in the preseason preview, so we're taking a look at new signings, we're taking a look at outgoing signings, uh, we're taking a look at signings uh, and changes at teams in and around us, uh, or just, you know, just newsworthy uh, transfers in general. Um, we are doing a splitting the table exercise, uh, which is kind of a road to 38 points uh, statistic move, so we'll go through that together, um, and then we'll take a brief look at preseason. Um, we can't really do the same as last year, uh, you know, with everything that's going on. Um, the the preseason has been a lot shorter, uh, and you can probably take a lot less from this preseason than most um, because it's been so condensed. And I must admit, this time last year, I'm pretty sure I was talking to you all about how hopeful I was that I would be able to do some really cool stuff on the ground uh, if the Albion came over to the US for a preseason this summer, which, from everything I had heard uh, from anybody who knows anything, that that was very much a uh, an idea that it had at the very least been floated in a very serious manner. Um, and, of course, what's going on right now with the coronavirus has wrecked that. So uh, we will take a brief look at preseason, um, and then we'll take a brief, uh, well, more than, more than a brief look, we'll take a proper look at the Albion themselves and, and what's changed over the last six weeks, what we can take from Project Restart, uh, and, you know, some of the potential winners and losers from that situation, and, and the change of, you know, the, the new season coming in, and then uh, after asking for some suggestions on Twitter. We're also going to rank the squad in the same way that we're going to rank the league. So we're going to split the league into specific sections. Um, we're going to do the same for the club uh, and look at the squad. And it should give us a good idea on, on how well placed we are um, in terms of what we need, what we've got and what we could have um, in the future. And then finally, just some predictions on the season in general um, and just a little bit of extra information about the season ahead for Together BHA, really. So, just took a sip of tea. That's going to happen more than once in this show. All right, so welcome back. We are back. It has been a very short break compared to usual, I feel, um, mainly because it has been a really short break. Uh, I feel like I watched the Champions League final a month ago. Oh, yeah, it was less than that. Uh, so... Welcome back. Good stuff. We, uh, we've we got some signings to talk about. And also worth noting that I do have a Patreon. Thank you to Nick Murray for signing up to my Patreon. The the one man, the, the one man band over there uh, cheering me on. So thank you for that. Uh, really appreciate it. Love you very much. Um, so let's get straight down to it. Transfers. Um, we came out of the traps real quick this year. As soon as the preseason, or rather the season itself ended, we snapped up two signings in quick succession. 
sadly, it has been very quiet since then, um, and we'll get to that later on. But for now, let's let's talk about the boys we did get in. And the first one is Joel Veltman. So Joel Veltman cost less than one million pounds. So I believe it was around nine hundred thousand uh, pound. He had a clause in his contract uh, that allowed him to move to the Premier League for that paltry sum. Um, I did hear from people out in Ajax, and I think you probably all saw the same. Uh, the original price tag probably would have been closer to five to seven million um, for any team that wasn't in the Premier League. So smashing piece of business already. Uh, so what what do we know about Joel Veltman? Well, he made 24 appearances last season. Uh, he made a further five in the Champions League. Uh, so And he's an Ajax player, right? So that always counts for a great deal. Uh, he did, however, have a bit of a dry year in front of goal. Uh, zero goals, zero assists. Um, from what I've seen, he doesn't seem to present much of a set-piece threat. Uh, thankfully, that shouldn't matter too much because Webster and Dunk both do. Um, so if we were to play three at the back with, with Veltman involved, he would probably be the one that stays back. Um, but he is also very good in discipline. Uh, no red cards, only one yellow card last year. After playing, you know, almost 30 games for Ajax, he received just one booking. That's very good indeed. Um, he is a ball-playing centre-half, so he likes to pass the ball short. Uh, he has an average of 0.8 shots per game and 0.5 key passes per game. So once every two games, he's playing a key pass that creates a chance, and he's taking just about one shot per game. Uh, and, you know, when you compare this to Captain Lewis Dunk, uh, it matches pretty much perfectly. Uh, so Lewis Dunk, in, Dunk is averaging 0.9 shots per game to Veltman's 0.8. And Lewis is averaging 0.4 key passes per game to Veltman's 0.5. Clearly a pattern is emerging uh, in that they are a similar mould. Uh, we know what Potter wants now at centre-half. Um, and, you know, he's clearly gone out there and got somebody he believes is going to be able to bed in quickly with this style of play. And, you know, he has played it at one of the best free-flowing football teams in the world in Ajax. Um, you know, I think they are a superb team. They've done everything that they need to do right. Uh, and I think that that, you know, that kind of caliber coming into the club at his age as well. He is a Dutch international. He's what, like 28, 29. Um, I think it's great. Lots of Ajax fans uh, on Reddit and, and Twitter uh, that I either spoke to or just kind of lurked on their comments. Um, they believe his discipline, however, might cause issues. Uh, they said he's a bit of a dirty player. <clears throat> can kind of lash out unnecessarily. Uh, so, you know, obviously he does it well because he's not getting booked for it. Um, but they, they worry that may be an issue with the with the speed increase in the Premier League as to whether he can keep up. Um, but he has been desperate to play in the Premier League for a while and so much so that he has that offer in writing. Uh, so let's see what he has to offer, right? Who knows what he can bring to the team. Um, personally, I believe he's going to be a backup centre-back uh, and right-wing back if needed. In the preseason friendly against Chelsea, he did start at right-wing back. I think that was probably Potter seeing what, how realistic that spot is for him um, and whether he needs to turn around and say, actually, you know, Veltman is not good enough to be a right wing back at this level or a right back in general. Uh, let's keep Alzate out there or maybe even Max Sanders, um, despite the fact that both clearly prefer center midfielders. Um, you know, with the offloading of Montoya 
Ancelotti, you know, Montoya we'll talk about in a minute. Um, it looks like this would be a right-back move, but he's not traditionally a right-back. Um, he only made three appearances as right-back last year for Ajax. Out of the, all those appearances, he made three appearances as a right-back. Um, he's not traditionally a right-back, but then neither was Dan Byrne a traditional left-back, and look at him. So, <laughs> who knows? Um, you know, he has superb experience, superb calibre. Um, it will be interesting to see what he brings to the side. Uh, without wealth of defenders, at least central defenders, it seems a strange signing, in my opinion. Um, but he also has a superb calibre. And when you look at, you know, if he's a potential replacement for somebody like Leon Balogun, um, he is, despite how much I liked Balogun's efforts, uh, he is a clear upgrade in, in talent. So I'm happy with that one. Uh, and the other one that we signed uh, is a rather marquee signing, uh, Adam Lallana on a free transfer. So not a penny in transfer fees were paid. I suspect quite a bit in signing on fees and all that sort of nonsense was paid. Uh, nothing in life is free. But I think that, you know, signing him onto a free contract is a, a great deal. Adam made three appearances last season. Uh, he came on as a sub 12 times. Um, I worry about his injury proneness, uh, but I was told by Liverpool fans that is not the case. Um, he has only had that one serious injury that put him out for a while. Um, it is, uh, it's more of a fact that he is not able to get a game uh, since his injury due to the rise of Liverpool, right? Like they've, they've come around and, and they've won the league and they're, they're being manned by people like Jordan Henderson. And it's tough for him to get in to the team uh, when he has to fight with people like Henderson and Fabinho and, and other players like this that have, that have got ahead of him. So every Liverpool fan that I'd spoken to or again lurked in the comments and listened to uh, seemed to insist that he is not injury prone. Um, that is a myth. And one that will be dispelled at us, apparently. So we shall see there. His Premier League calibre, though, like, you can't argue with it. The boy has 30 goals, 31 assists in his Premier League tenure. Uh, just over around 15-ish appearances in the Champions League. He's an England international. Uh, he has never been sent off in his entire career. He's had 20 yellow cards in the Premier League. Uh... Look, we all, we all know what Lalana is about, right? Anybody who's watched Premier League football or even England in the past, they know what he's about. He's a ball-playing central midfielder that can change games with his influence. Even at Liverpool before the injury, he was an influential player. Um, he is a key pass machine. He has become a very capable defensive contributor since getting a little older as well. Uh, at Liverpool, he has, defend he has contributed defensively a lot more than he used to. Um... And, and I think the biggest telling piece here is all of their fans were shocked that he moved to us. Not because uh, they expected him to stay or anything like that. They knew he was going to go. But they expected a move to a much higher level. They expected uh, Adam Lallano in general to move to Leicester. Um, you know, and Leicester are a top six team at this point. Um, and... Or they expected him to move perhaps back to Saints, and that would have been an emotional decision more than anything else. Um, so the fact that we were the ones able to snag him, you know, that's gotta that's gotta be a good sign. Was it a Dan Ashworth key movement? You know, all that kind of stuff with the FA and England connections. I would probably say yes. 
But at the end of the day, you still have to convince the man to come in. He's got to have the right ethic. He's got to have the right attitude, ambition. And clearly, our ambitions aligned because he's now at the Albion. Um, and to me, I, I think he is the perfect foil for players like Bissouma, Alzate, and all the other youngsters, Malumbi, um, that to add that really high-caliber experienced midfielder. He's a top signing. I am intrigued to see how many games he gets for us this year, uh, because despite people insisting he's an injury prone, I'm still niggling in the back of my head that I worry he won't get more than 18 games this season. Um, so hopefully we're sitting here at Christmas uh, and and he's not he's not missed a game, uh, which is unlikely knowing Potter in his rotation. But I think that it's a great signing. I'm very happy with it. I think everybody's very happy with it. And and you know once those two came in, I was expecting a real flood uh, of players because we know we needed them. Uh, but we we did not get the flood. Um, instead, we we had a flood outward, um, which we'll get onto right now. We did have uh, Lars Den Donker sign with us. Um, he is a youth prospect. He is another centre-back. Uh, he is the younger brother of Leander Den Donker at Wolverhampton. Uh, we managed to convince him to come to us instead. So he's one for the future, but he was the only other real real sign-in worth you know, mentioning there. We do have one more signing to mention, uh, and that was a loan signing that Leeds had. Um, but he's actually a Brighton player, not that you would know. Um, from from social media and, and general reaction online and on the TV even uh, and radio, um, but Ben White. So Ben White is back at the Albion again after being on loan again uh, from Newport to Peterborough to Leeds to here. Um, very clear loan development pathway, one that we've put Christian Walton through, one that we attempted to put Richie Towell through, uh, one that I think we were hoping to put Aaron Connolly through before his injury and then his emergence into the first team. Uh, and Ben White has followed that perfectly. Uh, and on Leeds, uh, on loan at Leeds, he was superb in the championship. He made 1,973 accurate short passes. That was second in the entire league at centre-half. He he had 37 successful dribbles attempted. That is first place in the championship. He had 28 dribbles completed, first place in the championship. He had 106 interceptions as a centre-half in the championship. Again, First place as a centre-half in the championship. He blocked 21 passes, third best in the championship. He made 84 attempted tackles, third place, third place in the championship. And 66 successful tackles, fourth place in the championship. The boy knows how to play football at championship level, that's for damn sure. Whether he can make the jump up to the Premier League is a whole other thing altogether. Uh, from pre-season, the answer looks like yes. And personally, I think maybe a controversial opinion because I've never played centre-half, I'll be honest with you. I'm not tall enough to play centre-half. Um, but I think centre-half is probably the easiest position to adapt into the Premier League. Um, it's more about the brain than it is the, the, the body. Um, if your brain is working at a Premier League level, you will be just fine. Uh, we've seen, you know, we've seen Webster do it. We've seen Lewis Dunk do it. And I think we will see Ben White do it. Uh, I think he has got it on lock. Uh, you know, he's still only 23. I think he's going to be superb. And I don't think that Leeds are very happy about the fact that they don't have him. 
despite the fact that they are insisting that they now have a German international, in quotations. Uh, I don't think Leeds are as delighted about the idea that they have him instead of Ben as they pretend to. So, tough shit. Uh, he is ours. He will be playing this season, uh, and I think he will be playing a pretty permanent role in the first team squad when we look at what I think we're probably going to do this year. Uh, and the drama is over. He signed a new contract. He's with us for four years. Good for us. Good for him. You know, we are locking him down in the same way we locked down Lewis Dunk, uh, who also could probably go on that signing list there as we signed him to another five-year contract. Lewis Dunk, man. What a guy. He he could have gone to Chelsea, Arsenal, Manchester United, you know, outside, even Manchester City, really, and Liverpool. There's not a team that he doesn't make better by going in. You know, he's he's not going to be better than Van Dijk, but I think he's better at this point than Gomez or Matip. I think he's better than Lindelof or Baye or, you know, any of the Man United centre-halves barring Maguire. And even then, I'm not sure Maguire is that much better. Uh, he's far better than anybody at Arsenal. <laughs> um, you know, Chelsea, again, he's, he's one of the best centre-halves on the team if he plays there. Um, and he's decided to stick with it. You know, he is basically sacrificed his entire England career to do this. Um, he knew that staying at Albion is not going to get him in the England team. If he would have moved to Chelsea three weeks ago, as the rumour was, he would have been in the England team for this Nations League. He probably would have been a starter in the Nations League, actually, simply because he plays for a team called Chelsea and not a team called Brighton. Uh, so I think, you know, what more can you ask for? He's loyal. Um, he obviously knows what he's able to provide here. Um, he knows what we can provide him, and he's willing to do it. He's 28. He's now not getting any younger, which is nuts to me to think that he's 28 years old. Um, but it is, you know, and, and what a guy, what a servant. Um, he probably is going to go down as our best ever centre-half, um, and if arguably isn't already. So fair play to him. Um outgoings so the flood we expected after the first two signings you know we still have pretty major needs in the squad but we did not get any of them in yet as of this time of recording uh instead we let a bunch of people go so deep breath we have a fair few to say goodbye to this season player number one martin montoya off to batiste for an undisclosed fee Everything I've read online suggests it's around five million ish, so that's not bad. Five to seven million, apparently. Uh, pretty much made our money back. We've broke even on Martin Montoya. I'm quite surprised he went in some ways uh, because he is a good right back. He played well for us at a lot of times. Uh, he was important, integral member of the squad at a time of huge transition, uh, with Bruno leaving, with Potter coming in, with us Hutton leaving everything. So, you know, I think we have a lot to be thankful for for Martin Montoya. But off to Batiste he goes, and we'll, we'll see how it goes from there. I will be keeping an eye on him because um, he's only, you know, he's still only 27, 28. He's got a lot to give. Uh, I think he'll do really well there. Next up, Shane Duffy. Off to Celtic on a season-long loan. Uh, everything I've seen says that it is a loan to buy similar to Fulham. Uh, how much it will be, who knows. Uh, probably based on the corona stuff, honestly, which is nuts. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if there is some kind of difference in money based on fans being back at stadiums or whatever. So Duffy is gone. Uh, that's one of the least surprising 
outgoings, I think, out of everybody. Uh, we have so many good centre-halves, uh, and Duffy is the least uh, suited to the mould that Potter wants to play and has wanted to play, and we've seen him drop out of the seat team. So I think we can't exactly be shocked that this has happened, um, but what a superb servant to the club. Uh, you know, we've lost two proper legends this this transfer window um and i think you know with only one marquee signing coming in it's 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 a little worrying um we've lost a lot of experience in the locker room and we've lost a lot of old heads that have been around the club for a while now in montelier and duffy and you know the next one to be talking about so Duffy is gone, uh, he is out, he is off to Celtic, he is fulfilling a dream of his to play at the Celtic, you know, top level over there in Scotland, so good luck to him. Um, Percy Tau, Lion of Judah, off to, well, Belgium, as usual. Uh, he's, he's playing in Belgium again for another year, uh, I believe he's already scored twice with the season restarting, um, I believe he's at Anderlecht now. So we shall keep an eye on him, see how he gets on. Uh, and speaking of loanies, uh, Matt Clark has also gone back out on loan to Derby. Player of the season at Derby last year, and they've kept him for another year. Superb bit of business by them. Superb bit of business for us. He's playing at a very high level, uh, and but by all means, he's playing very bloody well. So good for us. Final two outgoings to talk about, Aaron Moy. Aaron Moy has gone to China, and it came from absolutely nowhere. He went out there for like 4 million quid, so we barely made a profit on him. He's gone out to China, to Shanghai or somewhere, I think it was Shanghai, and it just was nuts. Like, apparently he has a clause in his contract that says he can go out there uh, for cheap and they're paying him however much and he's going to play against, or rather with, some of the better players in the league. Uh, and to me it was just like, it came out of nowhere. Like. <laughs> You just woke up and, hey, Moy's off to China. And it was like, what? Uh, all credit to the Brighton Instagram for accidentally posting it too early. Obviously, they're working on Australian time or Chinese time because uh, they effed that one up real good. That was pretty funny. Uh, they posted it about four hours too early. So well played, lads. Uh, you continue to outdo yourself on your social media marketing management. Uh, you ain't the best. <laughs> um, and the final one, which also came out of nowhere. Um, not in that we didn't see it coming, uh, but in that even though we knew it was going to happen, it still happened so quickly we were unprepared for it. Same for Moy and Duffy, really. Um, Glenn Murray is gone. Glenn Murray has gone to Watford on loan. Uh, I believe he only has a year left on his contract anyway, uh, so I suspect that once this year is up, he will finish his contract and, and sign for whoever he wants to sign for or perhaps he'll retire and, and get into punditry and analysis uh, every time I've heard him on the radio or the TV he's been very good very articulate and, and very well spoken and knows what he's talking about um, especially compared to some of the current crop anyway but what a servant what a man what a player what a goal scorer uh, 111 goals he signs off on it's unlikely he ever adds another one to his tally. So that's that. 111 goals for Glenn Murray at Brighton over Albion. And I find it very hard to put anybody above him as the best striker Albion have ever had. Bobby Zamora, of course, is up there. 
What a superb player. Um, but Glenn has spent more time here. He scored more goals. And to me, I think he's just amazing. Like Peter Ward, of course, as well. Uh, but, you know, time served for Peter was nothing compared to what Glenn's done. Um, you know, I think that Glenn is just this outstanding striker that comes along every now and again that stands out and just does something that nobody thinks should be possible for a player like him. You know, he's not the most flashy player. He's not the quickest. He's not even the biggest or the tallest. But he scores goals. Like, he scores goals for fun. He is a fox in the box. He knows where to be. His positioning is A++++. And he will score goals for Watford if he gets games. Um, Watford are a bit of a dumpster fire, so who knows if, they, if they'll even play him. You know, that would be classic Watford from last year to sign somebody like Glenn Murray in the championship and then not even play him. Um, but what a guy. If there's ever somebody that needs a statue outside of the Amex, uh, it's probably Glenn Murray. Um, he scored the goals that fired us up. He scored the goals that fired us up in League One, in the Championship, into the Premier League, and kept us in the Premier League. So, love him. What a what a guy. Uh, it's a shame to see him go. But, again, not all that surprising. I think we knew that Glenn's time was up. It's just how fast it happened that was brutal. So, a lot of outgoings there. Montoya, Duffy, Murray, Moy. All those players are experienced heads that have gone from the locker room changing room back room, whatever, training ground. Um, and I think we're going to miss that. And it will be interesting to see how the culture develops without them. So moving on to the rest of the Premier League, uh, movers and shakers. Uh, first of all, the Messi saga began again. TLDR, Messi isn't coming to the Premier League this year. Get over it, it's done. But other big, big notable moves... Um, in the Premier League that aren't really to do with the Albion or Albion-centric. Uh, Timo Werner is into the Premier League, gone to Chelsea. Uh, superb goal scorer. We saw him score against us against uh, on the preseason. Um, but he is he is a dangerous, dangerous player um, and should score a lot of goals for them. Thiago Silva, uh, Brazilian centre-half, PSG stalwart, also come to the Premier League, to Chelsea. Definite upgrade on what they have. Good move for him. David Silva has gone from the league, uh, just been diagnosed with COVID-19 actually, so hope he gets well or, or is asymptomatic and is feeling as well as possible. Um, and Kai Havertz, another superb signing. Uh, what a great attacking midfielder Kai Havertz is. And he has also gone to Chelsea. Chelsea have been on a madness this transfer window. Absolutely insane the amount of signings they've been making at a top level. Frank Lampard has been backed. If they don't do well this year, he is dead as a dodo. He is out of here. Because they they cannot sign Werner, Thiago Silva, Kai Havertz and not improve on what they're doing. Like that is a that is a like monumental improvement on their side. They better go ahead and get some shit done. Um So looking at notable moves for us, uh, in terms of players that have moved to teams in and around us that may cause a problem for us in the future or reflect on other people's positions. Aston Villa, at the time of recording, have only signed one player so far, and he was a youngster from Exeter. Villa have been very poor in the window this season so far, like poorer than us, and we've been quiet compared to, like, you know, that's bad. One player and a prospect from Exeter. 
I don't know how to pronounce his name, the QPR player, Easy, 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 Ease, whatever. He's gone to Palace. Good signing for them. I rate him. I think he's a very good, you know, just general attacking midfielder. Uh, he's played central mid. He's played at, like out wide for QPR. He can do both. It's a good signing for them. Uh, Lamina has gone to Fulham. He is the uh, Seri type player they had uh, in the Premier League last year, but with more with more experience and better uh, at Premier League level. So good signing for Fulham. Um, just depends on how many times he gets a red card this season because he was a red card machine before. Rodrigo to Leeds. Uh, they are very, very, very happy about this signing. Uh, I'm not sure they should be. All the stats tell us that this guy is a, a guy destined to be uh, a Joel Linton type player. Uh, he is known to not even score a great deal of goals. Um, he is one that is obviously an upgrade on Bamford, who is dog, uh, but he is not going to be the saviour that I think they want him to be. Um, I think they are still going to really struggle scoring goals this season. Um, Rodrigo is not probably going to be that man to save them. Ramsdale to Sheffield United. Ramsdale has come from Bournemouth to Sheffield United. Uh, they could not get a hold of Henderson from Manchester United. So off to, off to Sheffield United, Ramsdale goes. Good signing for them. Uh, you know, that's a top-level keeper again that keeps them relevant. Uh, and I think that they'll do pretty well there. Kyle Walker-Peters was on loan at Saints. He is now signed permanently. Very good player. I really rate Walker-Peters. He played well for them last year. Good stuff. And Susek to or Suchek to uh, West Ham has been a finalised move. Uh, he made a big impact in Project Restart. Can he continue that? Who knows? Uh, if he can continue, he could he could make them a, a much better team. So it will be interesting, uh, especially given that their start in the Premier League is brutal this season, and. Their strikers are just Antonio and Haller. And Haller is not doing the best. And Antonio is is hit and miss as it is. So it will be interesting to see. Um, notable exits for us. So there are a couple of players that have left teams um, that may or may not be in and around us. First of all, Matt Doherty has left Wolves. He has gone to Spurs. Now, I'm sure you're probably on the other end of this, this microphone or speaker. And you're thinking, Josh, how on earth are Lee at Wolves um, a team we should be paying attention to? Well, I'll tell you why, dear reader. Because I think Wolves are going to be in trouble this year. Um, they've made a couple of good signings, but they have had very little rest compared to a lot of other teams. They have a couple of really tough starts, and their squad is not very big. And with the coronavirus this year taking out players every now and again... This is a team that could be really damaged this year with a European campaign, with the virus, with everything. Um, they've lost Matt Doherty, who is a top player. They could still lose Jimenez, who is a top player. I think it's worth taking a little look at them this year as to whether they do as well as usual. And the other player uh, is Ben White. <laughs> He's gone from Leeds. That's a big loss for them. Huge loss for them. He is their most consistently appearance player. He made the, played the most minutes for them in the championship. Losing him is a big loss to Leeds. Make no mistake about it. He is going to hurt them badly being gone. So that's great news for us. Moving on to splitting the table. 
So last year I did pretty well uh, actually splitting the table into sections and I thought I would do it again. So the crux of this split, right, is to ascertain where those 38 points come from. We need 38 points generally to be safe in the Premier League uh, and we need to work out where those points are coming from. So I have five sections for teams. Top two, next four, best of the rest, wild cards and relegation candidates over the season we should look to get the following from these teams to stay up on roughly 38 points top two teams in the league i expect us to win nil points off of these people zero points points manchester city and liverpool they're the top two teams in the division i don't anticipate that changing too much yet uh, I think we need to consider those the top two teams, and I expect us to get nothing off of them. Next four, I expect us to win one point from each of these teams this season. Manchester United, I think we can definitely take a point at home to them. I think it's reasonable and it's realistic. Leicester City, Tottenham Hotspur, and Chelsea. If we can take one point from each of those this season... That's well on our way to 38 points. Best of the rest, Everton and Arsenal. Never are they really going to be in danger of going down. They may well always challenge for that top six area. Who knows? Again, one from each. If we can take a point from each of these teams, we will be well in there. We're on six points now. We're good and we're on our way. And we're getting points against the teams that matter. Next up, wild cards. We need two and a half points from these two teams, these, these four teams I have here. I'll tell you why they're wild cards. So if we can take two and a half points, 2.5 points on average uh, from each of these games, we are still well on our way to that 38-point mark. First of all, Saints. Who knows what Saints are going to do this year? Who knows what Saints are going to do any year? They started Project Restart and were an absolute beast. They started the season and were dog. We don't know. Like, we just don't know what Saints are going to show up ever. They have scraped by some seasons and they've challenged for Europe on others. Southampton are impossible to predict, no matter how much we try. Um, and I think they have to be firmly in that wildcard spot. Next up is Sheffield United. Um, Sheffield United had a superb season last year. But are they going to hit second season syndrome? Lots of... Teams just as good as they have done so before. They've made some good signings. But is that going to be enough? Uh, will they get found out this year? No fans. They weren't exactly superb at the end of last season in that project restart. They suffered heavily without a, a fan or a back, you know, an audience to play to. Um, or maybe teams had just began to work them out. Who knows? Um, but I think they're in. They're well within that conversation of being a wild card team. Um, they would not shock me if they're in the bottom three at the end of the year. They would not shock me if they were top ten. Who knows? Burnley also the same. Uh, you never know what you're going to get with Burnley. I do feel that one day their luck is going to run out, but who knows when it's going to be? I thought it'd be the year they got into Europe. It wasn't. I've given up trying to guess what Burnley are going to do next. So Burnley firmly in the wildcard spot, along with Wolves. We've already discussed Wolves. 
why I feel that way. Uh, so two and a half points, 2.5 points from each of these would be well on our way on average to that 38 point mark. At that point, we are then, we've took 10 points off of them. Uh, we've took six points off the rest. We're at 16 points and we're well on our way. We have seven more teams and they all go into the relegation candidate pot. We need three from each of these. That puts us at, what, 37 points, 38 points, and we are pretty much safe. And those last seven are pretty obviously Aston Villa. They have not signed anybody or made any moves in the market that make me think they're going to be better than last year. They are going to continue in the same vein as last year and struggle to survive Villa a relegation candidate. Leeds United, despite them genuinely having fans that insist they're going to be a top six team, defensively they've lost their best player offensively they don't have a great deal at the premier league level they're going to struggle doesn't matter if they have the best manager to ever live in the history of ever Leeds are going to struggle west bromwich albion uh look like they may well do something very similar to us in our second season they're going to be as defensive as possible solid as possible and try and stay up on keeping goals out as opposed to scoring them i think they're going to be in trouble uh they may well be one of the teams in the bottom three this year Fulham, uh, no different. I don't feel any better about Fulham this year than I did the year they came up. Last, um, they haven't done a great deal either. Uh, Scott Parker has got a hell of a job on his hand there trying to keep him up, and and we shall see if he can, but I'm, I'm not entirely convinced. And then finally, West Ham, Newcastle, and Palace. Uh, I think all of them are firmly in the relegation candidates for now, despite Newcastle having made some great signings technically in the next couple of days if they go through. Uh, with Jamal Lewis and Callum Wilson, uh, and and you know if they can if they can find goals again from Callum Wilson, that that's good shit. You know he will play very well with Saint Maximum, so he may well they may well become more of a safe candidate. But they, for now they they have to be within relegation. So there's your bottom seven: Villa, Leeds, West Brom, Fulham, West Ham, Newcastle, and Palace. At that point, I think you're safe to say that. If we can get all the points we need from these teams, three from all of those seven, two and a half from the wild cards, and then one from the best of the rest in the top four, or rather the best four after after City and Liverpool, we are well on our way. We shall see. So, if it works, it works. Let's see. Next up, preseason. This is super brief. Uh, preseason. So Portsmouth uh, behind closed doors. Um, we won three 0 apparently. Uh, with an Aaron Connolly brace, apparently. Uh, reason I say that is because it was all private and all super secret, and we're not allowed to talk about it. Uh, so we shall see. Uh, will we be seeing Aaron Connolly take on that kind of left attacking midfielder, winger, striker role this season more often? Um, partnering up with Trossard and, you know, another player behind Mopai. We saw him do it against Burnley to great effect. Uh, clearly he's he's playing against Portsmouth and doing the same kind of thing. So we shall see. Uh, Chelsea, 1-1. We played three at the back. We played Veltman on the right-hand side, not Lamptey. Good stuff. Good stuff to give him a run out. Good stuff, good stuff to give him a chance to take a look at what he's got. Uh, I... I I kind of summarized uh, what 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 I thought on Twitter at the time, and I'll go through that right here. Uh, ben White, given the number three, is a great bit of bounce from the Albion. Love it. Uh, Jason Malumbi looks like a very natural successor to Dale Stevens, in my opinion. He looks very calm on the ball. Really great to see. I liked it a lot. I think he's well up there. Uh, and 
if it isn't his year this year, I think next year it definitely will be whatever division we're in. Um, Bissouma looked unbelievable. I thought he was superb again. Uh, I think this is the season for him. Um, Alzate slotted in like he never left. Really happy to see him looking fit and able and ready to go. Um, and I think Lallana rounded off that midfield three beautifully. Uh, I thought it was perfect. And I thought Trossard looked very sharp again. Um, you know, he had a very solid project restart. And I think that he had a great look in preseason as well. And it was capped off by a Belgium call-up uh, and, and, a, and a career start for them. So fair play to him. Uh, on terms of the, the stuff that wasn't so good... Christian Walton got injured and it looked bad uh, from everything I've seen now. They're saying he's actually just out for five to six weeks. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, at the time, I did note that there was no Glenn Murray in the squad at all. Uh, is his time over at the Albion? Yes, it is. Uh, second piss poor penalty from Mopai in a row. Got to be better than that, Neil. Like, come on, man. Your penalty was crap. No Davy Proper is very curious. Um, I've heard it being said that he has a knock. Uh, if so, he hasn't played a single minute of preseason. And who knows how much he's trained. So I don't know how Davy Proper is going to be viable coming into the season, but we'll see. Uh, Veltman, I thought, looked rather rusty and, and grew into the game. Uh, right wing back doesn't look to be his best role ever. Um, but fair play to him for playing there. Uh We'll see how that evolves over the season. Um, and, and Bernardo just ain't it, man. Like, he is just not it. His regression is just insane. He looks less and less confident and sure of what on earth he's supposed to be doing every time he comes on the pitch. And I think that he has to go. Like, he just has to. He has to start again somewhere because he is just not doing very well for us. Um, it is just bad. Bad, 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 bad. What to expect for the season Albion-wise? So we've already looked at where we need to look at getting these points from. Um, what do we think the Albion are going to be doing in terms of team selection, in terms of formations, in terms of everything, right? So last season, we started the season three at the back. We looked very good, actually, doing so. Watford, Southampton, even with 10 men, Newcastle. Um, we looked good at it. We just struggled to score in it. Um, and look, it's it's a natural formation Potter has used a lot in the past, especially at Ostersons. Um, he seems to rotate primarily between three at the back uh, and 4-2-3-1 um, and that 4-2-2-2. Uh, his three at the back generally consists of one of two options. Um, three at the back with two central midfielders, two wingbacks and three forwards, or three at the back with two wingbacks, three central midfielders and two forwards, depending on how wide he wants players to play. They were all amongst our most popular formations last season, um, and I would expect to see a more often use of three at the back now. Uh, with Webster, Duncan White now available as centre-halves, uh, and Lamptey on that right-hand side, I think that Potter will be utilising that three-at-the-back formation more often than he did last season. And honestly, it, it I feel like that's probably the formation that he secretly wants to be playing all along anyway. Um, so we shall see how that evolves. Uh, but I would expect three-at-the-back to be a pretty popular decision for him. Um, and 
you know, if we can evolve and score goals, I love it. I think we play really well keeping the ball at the back, keeping the ball in general at three at the back. I think a lot of the players look comfortable with it. I think that we just can't score. And that isn't going to be any use to us if we can't score goals. So we shall see how we go there. Uh, but I would imagine three at the back will be how we start out. It's how we've played every game so far, including the West Brom preseason as well. Um, I'm intrigued to see where we go from here. Uh, yeah. So, for me, uh, you know, I think that we have a group of players that are going to come on and kick on this season. Um, and we'll get to those in the ranking of the squad. Um, but first of all, let's look at the players we need, right? We're now recording this on Monday the 9th of September, um, and we still do not have a new left-back, a new striker, or another attacking midfielder with a bit of pace and pizzazz about him. Um, do Does Potter believe Jose Izquierdo is going to provide that attacking midfield option? Uh, if he does believe that, then I'm fine with it. Um, we don't know how far away he is from being fully match fit, which is a concern. Um, but I think if we were to take a left back and a striker before the window closes and Potter comes out and says, is Kiedo is another option, then I think the fans will be fine. But right now, we are woefully underprepared at left back and striker. We have two strikers in the squad. Neil Mopai and Aaron Connolly. Uh, we have sold Lacadia. We have got rid of Glenn Murray. We've got rid of Andone. You know, we have nobody else. If Neil Mopai gets hurt, we have Aaron Connolly and Aaron Connolly alone as a striker to lead the front line. And I know that people are saying, oh, well, we have Trossard. Trossard is not a striker. He never has been a striker. He will play up, up and around the striker, but he is not a striker. Like, I'm sorry, he's not. And to say that we have Trossard as a viable striking option is either naive or you're stupid. Like, we... Trossard is not a striker. He is not. End of. Like, he is an attacker. He plays off of the striker. He can score goals off of the striker. But he is not a number nine. Like, he just isn't. He is not a striker. And saying he is, is preparing ourselves for real big disappointment if we're left having to play Trossard as a lone striker up top. It's going to be messy. So... We need a striker. We need to bring one in. I've been told to shut up and not be so worried. We're good. Everything's great. We don't need to panic. Blah, 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 blah. We got away with Hemed and Murray in the first year, and we did fine then. Personally, I'd rather not have to look at that and go, well, we did it once, so we'll be fine a second time. Uh, I I think we need to sign a striker, and badly. Um, and I think ranking the squad is going to do the same thing as what I've just said. I think ranking ranking the squad in the way we're doing it tells me that, that where we are with, with players we need. So here we go. Uh, I've split it into five spots. Important players. So these are the integral spine of the team that I expect us to use a lot this season that have already proven their worth to the team on a very consistent level and are already at the point where you can say, yes, these players should be on the team sheet. Number one, captain, Lewis Dunk, definitely important player. The boy's the captain of the team. He signed a new five-year contract. There is no better centre-half. He has to play. Number two, 
There's four of them. Number two, Neil Mopai. Neil Mopai has scored double-digit goals in his first season in the Premier League. We spent 20-plus million on him, and he's clearly the number one striker going forward. We need to score goals. If anyone's going to do it, it's Neil. He should be first on the team sheet with Lewis Dunk every game if fit. He is a superb player and should be on there all the time. Number three, Matty Ryan. Despite how small he is and how upset people are that he just ain't growing, Matt Ryan is a great goalkeeper. He's done everything that you can ask of him. He's developed in every way you could hope. His distribution is getting better all the time. He's a great shot stopper. And I think with a back three of White, Dunk, and Webster, he's going to only be more and more assured. Matt Ryan is that third player on that list. Fourth player on the list. If fully fit, Adam Lalana is that number four player. He will be integral to our midfield this season, being that conduit from the back to the front and creating chances and being able to show that experienced head in a Premier League caliber midfield that is going to change games. Adam Lalana, when fit, has to be on that front page on that front page. Like he has to be. He is he has too much experience and too much talent not to be. He's proven himself time and time again at the top level. He is one of those players that I would say is that top four important players in the team. Next list on the rankings is important prospects. Now, the difference between the players and the prospects are these are players that have not yet proven themselves. Uh, they have shown flashes or they've even shown a pretty consistent look of class or quality um, within Project Restart or even before that. These are players that, with another good season at the Albion under their belts, will all move from prospects to players the next season. And we are blessed to have five of them. Bear in mind that we already have four that I consider in there, and we have another five of these. We could be looking next year at a team that has nine players that should be considered a spine of a top of a top 12 Premier League team. Number one, Tarek Lamptey. What a superb signing he was for a couple of million quid off of Chelsea. Wing back, right back, right midfielder, right winger. He can do it all. He is so quick. He is so good. He has already won the number one spot at right back. One more year at the Albion, and I think he's probably going to show himself to be an absolute dynamo. Um, and I can easily see him going up into that important player's bracket comfortably. Number two, Ben White. Ben White has done it at Leeds. He's done it at Peterborough. He's done it at Newport. Can he do it at the Albion in the Premier League? If he can, he easily elevates up into the important players as well. At that point, we have, you know, a... a Another centre-half on that level of calibre of Lewis Dunk would be unthinkable, uh, and we would be in a very strong spot going forward for the future at, what, 24 at that point? Bissouma is another one of those players. Rough start under Potter, actually. He was not the best player at all under Potter initially, um, but after Project Restart, he was, along with Lamptey, arguably player of the restart for the Albion. Um, he was just on a different level and if he can get 30 games out of 38 in the Premier League and in my opinion he should be getting them at this point he should be starting every game he's hit to uh, I think he comfortably moves up to into the important players bracket 
Uh, I think playing alongside Lalana is going to be game-changing for Bissouma. Um, I think that caliber and level of class next to him is going to elevate him further. And I, for one, am, like, giddily excited to see those two together. I think it's going to be so fun to watch Bissouma and Lalana play together. And he is a player that can easily become another one of those players that are first name on the team sheet and reliable and proven at Premier League level long term. Two more, Trossard. Trossard started off the season really well and then got hurt and then struggled to get back to fitness, did get back to fitness and, and after Project Restart came back and was a really good player. But he's shown glimpses. He's just not done enough yet to get out of important prospects into important players. Now, if he can get a full season under his belt without a bunch of injuries or just more consistent play, uh, I think Trossard will, again, comfortably move up. But for now, he's in the important prospects instead. And the last one there is Aaron Connolly. Um, You know, for all the minutes he played last season, he did only score three goals, albeit two of them against Spurs. He did only score three goals as a striker. Now, at his age and at his level of experience prior to last year, I think that's a great starting point. Um, And I think it will be interesting to see how he builds on it this year. He has a good opportunity to become another one of those players that you think, how can Connolly not be starting next year? Or he can easily go the way of Lacadia and Andone and Hamed and everybody else and be like, well, yeah, we saw glimpses, but it just ain't enough. And off he goes. So we shall see. Um, I hope as everybody hopes, that it's the last, uh, the former and he comes on and he's an important player, uh, but we shall see. The next set of players are what I've just labelled as good players. They are good enough for the Premier League. Uh, they have a, you know, they are, they have shown they can provide something at this level, uh, but they are no longer a player that I, I can't see not being at the Albion. You know, they're not players that I think just have to stay. Um, Either because I think there are better people than them at their position, or I've seen them regress. Um, First player, Adam Webster. Uh, Webster is in here simply because, compared to Lewis Dunk, he doesn't compare yet. He's nowhere near as good as Lewis Dunk. He's learning, he's growing into the Premier League. Since Project Restart, he was almost faultless. Uh, But for now, I think I would put him in good players. There's no reason why that can't boost up. Uh, You know, he's not stuck there forever. Um, But I would not classify him on the same level as Lewis Dunk. And he's also too old to be considered a prospect, uh, like White can be. Um, I think he's, you know, he's cultured enough to be able to be considered past the prospect stage. Um, So... It'll be interesting to see how he goes this year, how often he plays, whether we decide to go with a back two and if he's the one that loses out or if White is the one on the bench. Who knows? Next one is Dan Byrne. Uh, Dan Byrne, who knows what we're going to do with him this year? Do we consider to play him at left back again? Do we not? If we don't, can he really compete at centre-half with those players who've already listed? Dunk, White, Webster? No, I don't think he can. So... I don't know what's going to happen with Byrne, but he is a good player. We saw what he can provide for the team last year. Even at left-back, he was a superb outlet. He was a good attacking threat. 
he was a good defender. I think that I think that Dan Byrne is a good player for this team and deserves to be in the squad. Uh, same for Pascal Gross uh, and Davy Proper. Um, with Aaron Moy gone, that means that we need to keep Pascal Gross. We we need a set piece player. We need somebody who can be a key pass machine, chance creator machine, uh, and he's done it at the Premier League level now for three years. He is a superb creator of chances and should not be going anywhere now Moy is gone. Now, if Moy hadn't gone, I would, again, as I said before, Gross or Moy had to go, in my opinion. Moy is the one that's gone. We need to keep Pascal Gross. He will play a role at some point this season, no doubt. David Proper is the same. What do we do with David Proper? You know, he is a player that is slowly being filtered out of the team because of his mistakes and, and just small things. Um, and would I rather have David Proper playing than Bissouma? No. Would I rather have David Proper playing than Adam Lalana? No. So where does he come in? If we're playing three in midfield, I think it's obvious at that point it's, it's then. But if not, who knows, you know? Um, I think that's one of those things that, that we just don't understand and we, we can't be sure on. Um, it's one of those strange issues that I think Potter is going to have to deal with throughout the season. Uh, so we have two more um, squad players. Veltman. I know this is going to be a shock to you, but my gut is telling me that Veltman is just not going to be a first-team player this season. I think he's going to be a squad player, and I think he'll be in that, that final 25, and I think he'll be on the bench an awful lot, but I don't think Veltman is going to be as important as some hoped he might be. Um, I think Veltman is going to sit on the bench and take his chance when it's given to him. Christian Walton, when fit, will be our number two goalkeeper. I don't have any doubts. Solly March will continue to be our utility player, playing right wing, left wing, left wing back, all over the place. Is he good enough to be a mainstay Premier League left wing back, right winger? Who knows? No, he's not. I don't think he is. But I think he's going to stay there and continue to play his trade and see if he can continue to grow. And finally, uh, we have the transfer fodder. <laughs> The players I think are players that either should be loaned out or just got rid of altogether. Um, Bernardo should go full-time contract, get him gone. He just ain't got it. Jason Steele, he is not getting any younger. He's now 30-odd years old. He has never been a great goalkeeper. Get rid. Bye-bye. Sanchez, goalkeeper, loan him out again. Continuing, Continue him on the Christian Walton development path. Alareza Jahanbach, whether you want to loan him, sell him, or whatever, if we're not even going to put him into a substitution lineup against West Brom on a preseason, Jahanbach does not belong at Albion. I'm sorry, but if you can't even make the sub bench, then what are you doing? Like, from everything I've read, I've not read anything about him having a knock. So, what is going on there? And finally, Andone. Andone isn't getting back in the side. Pretty clear that he's not getting back in the side. The players don't like him. The coach don't like him. He's gone. Like, done. Job done. Finished. So, you know, it's it's pretty wild there that we have two players in that entire list that can, can be considered left-backs. Or rather, three players. Um, and one of them is a squad player. In Solly March, one of them is transfer fodder in Bernardo, and one of them is a is a centre half in Dan Burn. 
We have no we have no centre backs, like left backs rather. What are we doing? We need to sign one. We need to sign a left back so badly. I just can't understand how we haven't got out and done it yet. It's it's not like a striker where everybody's after one. Left back is a as is, is a you know it's it's a different kind of position and, and we should be out there now and signing one like it's just but it's blowing my mind that we're we're going to have to start Dan Burn or Sonny March on left at left wing back a week from today. Baffling, baffling stuff. I don't get it. There are a few players I missed out. Uh, I consider them kind of wild cards. These they don't have a place to live yet. Uh, Jason Malumbi, will he be a squad player? Will he be a transfer fodder and go out on loan? Or will he become an important prospect? You know, like, I don't know. Um, same goes for Steven Alzate. Looked very good at the beginning of the season and then carried an injury for half of the season and, and had surgery. Will he come back and become one of those important prospects where this time next year we're talking about Alzate as one of the first names on the team sheet? Or will he just become one of those players that, like Solly March, can't seem to find what's best for him uh, and, and never never seems to take it to that next level? Jose Izquierdo, he's been injured for almost 18 months now. He hasn't been fit, fully fit for almost two years. If he can come back at 75% of what he was, he will be one of those players that comfortably fit into good player. But Willie, like, who knows what, what is Kieto we're going to get? I love him. I am such a stand for him. Like, I die for his Kieto, but I worry about what kind of his Kieto we get. And I think an his Kieto that was as good as he used to be absolutely has a place in Potter's team and will be a beast. But again, like, do we do we get that kind of his Kieto or do we get one that's not as quick, not as confident, scared of being hurt? Again, on that knee. I don't know. So those are the three that, that I'm considering that I just don't know where to put them. Uh, so, again, important players, super important players that should be on the team sheet. Lewis Dunk, Neil Mopai, Matty Ryan, Adam Lallana. Important prospects. Prospects being that players that should definitely be in and around the first 11 all season long and could easily be one of those first teams, first names on the team sheet next season. Tarek Lamptey, Ben White, Bissouma, Trossard, Connolly. Good players, players that are valuable to the Albion. They should not be going anywhere. They have a part to play in this season, just how much we don't know. Adam Webster, Dan Byrne, Pascal Gross, Alexis McAllister, Davy Proper. Squad players, players that have a place in the squad as a backup option for a lot of players. Veltman, Walton, Solly March. Transfer fodder, players we need to get rid of, players that don't really have a future at the Albion, uh, or at least don't have a future at the Albion this year. Bernardo, Jason Steele, Sanchez, Alareza, and Andone. Job done. There's your rankings. Uh, we are coming towards the end of this show here. We have gone through a shit ton of content. Uh, so finally, predictions for the season. Um, I'm going to be a Debbie Downer here but you need to hear it. I don't see any reason or any evidence within this preseason or this transfer market that tells me that we're going to have any season different to last year. I know the team wants to continue pushing on and growing and continue to go up the table, but we haven't filled the spots we need to to do that. We 
are continuing to struggle with the same thing, and it's going to be scoring goals. We've already seen it in preseason. We saw almost a carbon copy of West Bromwich Albion's preseason game in the Newcastle one at St. James's Park. All the ball, no chances. Never looked like conceding, but never looked like scoring. We drew the most games in the Premier League last year. I see no reason for any of this to change. I anticipate that we will finish around 15th or 16th in the league. I anticipate that it will be squeaky bum time at some point in the Premier League season for us. I do anticipate that we will be safe. But I see no reason to see us going any further up the table. We may even finish on less points than last year. But I don't think that we'll go up the table if we continue with the squad we have. We have not addressed the key areas we need to address. And as long as we continue allow, allowing ourselves those weaknesses, I see us continuing on the same vein. And I, for one, am fine with continuing as we are and continuing to build as a Premier League team and become more and more financially stable. I'm not fine with the backroom staff, Bloom, Barber, etc., talking on and on about becoming a top 10 team and then not spending any money to do so. Now, I understand that we spent a lot of money last season for Mopai, for Trossard. I'm not accusing them of not spending money, but I am accusing them of not backing the manager in the second season when it is always harder for a manager in the second season in the Premier League. And they have done nothing for him in the, in the areas of need. He needs a left back. He needs a left wing back to play that three at the back role. If you want Potter to play that three at the back role that Ostersons used to insane effect against teams all around Europe that were way better than them, you need to give him a left back to complement Lamptey. And he doesn't have one. So how can you expect him to play that formation to the best of his ability? If you want Potter to play that formation that got you a shit ton of goals at Swansea City or got you a bunch of fun games against, again, teams in Europe at Ostersunds, you need to provide him with another dimension at striker. You need to provide him with an option that you can actually put the ball in high and make the opposition team think about how they're going to defend other than knowing every single ball is going to be low and on the ground. Because when you do, it's easy to defend. You know that Brighton and Albion are going to play the ball on the ground and they're going to play it through you. Why? Because they have no other option. They don't have a, a, an aerial presence. So you prepare yourself to defend on the ground. You set yourself up with that flat banks of four and you push them out. And we're not good enough to break them down because we're not Manchester City. You know, you see Liverpool struggle with that. That, like... You know, like, that's that's just the truth of it. Like, you see Liverpool struggle with that lack of dimension if they don't have... If they have a flat bank of four team that are just looking to shut them out. And if you think that Liverpool struggle trying to break a team down like that, why the hell do you expect Brighton to be able to do it when they have even less equipment on hand to do so? I think that... I think that we're just going to be in for the same season as we had last year. And at this point... If we don't make any more signings, the fans can't moan about Potter. He's doing everything he can. Um, I think at that point, you've got to start getting a bit aggy with the fact that we're not spending money where we desperately need to.
uh, going into a season with Mopai and Connolly is just naive and dangerous. And I hope that, you know, in a month's time when the transfer window closes, uh, I'm sat here going, phew, glad that, that glad that what I was worried about on the preseason podcast didn't happen. Glad that we, uh, we went ahead and grabbed Eduard or Ollie Watkins or whoever, and we have a slightly different dimension up front to, to play around with now. Certainly glad that that, that didn't happen and, and we're, we're, we're well equipped. Um, but who knows, you know. Uh, but at the same time, is safety just such a bad thing? Like, I, I can think of every single Watford fan ever that would probably take safety at all costs now. <laughs> so who knows? Um, but thank you for listening. Uh, please, 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 please tweet, tweet me, Facebook me, at me, Gmail me, togetherbha at gmail.com, togetherbha on Instagram, togetherbha on Twitter, togetherbha. Find me, message me. If you want to be a guest on the show to recap any game you want, you can come on and we can talk about Chelsea on uh, on Monday night. You can come on and talk to me about any game you want. Me and you can sit down, we can talk about it, we can analyse it together, we can shoot the shit. I would like more guests this season. The fans would like more guests this season. Survey My, my survey said that we want guests on the show more often to provide a second voice to me droning on about games. So, if you want to come on the show as a fan, and you're one of those people that filled out that survey saying, I want more people on the show to provide a different voice or just extra voices to chat about the game, I think that would be something I would enjoy on the show. Volunteer. Let me know. Come on yourself. We all want to hear what you have to say. This is a fan podcast by a fan for the fans. Let's get fans more involved. Please, get in touch. Uh, Any game you want to come on for, we can do it. There's literally never a bad time. Like, I will have you on for any game you want. So, be in touch, let me know, uh, and I will see you all next week for Chelsea Chat. Have a good one. Be safe.